0: join the Betamax Video Club, rewinding back to our favourite films of the 1980s. My name's Rich Nelson and tonight I've rented Steel Magnolias. Watching it with me is Gabriella who can be found on Twitter at noir underscore or underscore never. Hi Gabriella, how are you?
1: I'm well, thanks. And you?
0: I'm very good. Thank you for bringing a film along that's a little bit different from what we normally have. What's so special about this film for you?
1: Oh, well this movie and dirty dancing and fried green tomatoes and uh like beaches and those kind of movies on my mother's side of the family for women if you do not like those movies then you might as well not even be part of the family so you you know you're like obliged but no but it's very really special for me because i first watched the movie when i was about 10 so obviously a lot of it went over my head but it was a favorite film of my grandmother uh, my mother's mother and uh, she died about 20 years ago but she absolutely adored this movie and it's also just like a bonding movie for my mom and I um, we watched it yesterday together and you know we were in I mean you could have put a bucket under us as usual because we were <laughs> sobbing so much um, but it's just you know it's just one of those movies that just absolutely gets it right when it comes to women's pictures it reminds me so much of the women's pictures that were made in the early 30s these are real women they have snappy dialogue they're interesting, they're not cardboard cutouts, they go through real things, tragedies happen to them, they have organic responses to things, and it's just an absolute dream cast. I mean no one is miscast, everyone is amazing in it, So, and it's it's pretty much a role I think that Julia Roberts really shines in as well. I'm not a huge fan of hers, but in this movie I think she just really gets it right from start to finish.
0: It's strange re watching it now because I I saw it. I think the only time I'd seen it previously was years ago, and I I mean, it it wasn't, I suppose, a choice thing, it was a I watched it with someone else who, who wanted to watch it, <laughs> yeah. and and I guess from seeing most of the previous episodes of the podcast I've done, you know, they they are I suppose what you'd say action films or more mainstream mm. sort of stuff. But I mean, watching this, it was so refreshing to see a film that's written, admittedly, by a man, but has female characters of all ages in there. I suppose the the six main ones the main women involved Mm. but they're all people they're not just there as wives of husbands Mm. Um, and something I mentioned in a previous episode quite recently was how in a lot of 80s films anyway the female characters are often there purely as either eye candy or as a damsel in distress
1: yes definitely I agree with you there (laughs)
0: and yet in this film it turns it on its head because the men are either useless or Buffoons in some cases yeah. or, or a lot of the time they're they're written as awful people and not even you don't even meet them mm. I guess D- Daryl Hannah's well, anel's husband for example she's moved to this town to get away from him and yes. it turns out that They may not even actually have been married in the first place.
1: Yes, that part always, I mean, shame. I mean, the way that uh, Shirley MacLaine's character gets that out of her, you're like, geez, can you be a bit more subtle? This poor girl, you know. (laughs) But I totally agree with you. I mean, it's like towards the end of the film when um, Sadie Field says, I find it to be, you know, humorous to be, that, that men are supposed to be made out of steel or something, but her husband and her son-in-law and her sons can't even bear to see their wife, their daughter, their sister die, and she's the one who sits there while they take Shelby off life support. And, you know, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not um, hating on men or anything, you know, i um, You follow me on Twitter, as you know, I'm quite a firm (laughs) feminist. (laughs) But, um, you know, I mean, I think that is the case, though. Uh, Women, a lot of the time, are called on to be the ones that are leaned on. Men, you know, there is this machismo sort of tradition, but a lot of the time men have difficulties because of that, expressing their emotions, and because of that, women sort of become the pillar and that's you know that that is really is shown well as you say
0: in a sort of alternate universe you know just to take it back you could say that you look at Lethal Weapon and mm-hmm. Mel Gibson being mad and struggling to come to terms with the death of his wife emotionally stunted throughout and a, and a lot of films where this is really part of the issue but yet in the 80s there were I mean, this this isn't going to be a whole discussion about this, but there were a lot a lot of films, and you've already mentioned a couple where either the female characters or or the writing behind it is so good and and it stood out because it was so different. You said beaches, there's terms of endearment, and you've even yeah. got the sort that go from like Baby Boom all the way to Aliens.
1: Yeah, exactly. It is the 80s is really a time when women's roles in films i think is really changing probably because the production code is completely collapsed by the 60s and under the production code women you know have to suffer and all that kind of stuff and even though women of course do suffer in movies in the 80s they're often victorious they're not forced to apologize for who they are and like in previous films where if you know you found that a woman had to be a prostitute during World War II or something, the guy's like, well, you should have starved to death or something, you know. <laughs> In the 80s, it's like women are are doing it for themselves. Uh, oh, and then, you know, there's the song that Annie Lennox and i um, completely forgotten her name now, and she's an amazing singer and uh, a legend, mm. but sorry, my brain's up there. Um, they it's sang early. that song together, you know. So it is. It's, uh, 80, I think the 80s is definitely when women start going, you know what? Sorry to swear, fuck off. We actually are people. And we are going to be treated like people. And and I think that they started recognizing that in the in the, the film industry and going, you know what? We can actually make money out of movies where women don't just stand there as you say with a short skirt on and go, eh, Even in Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger, I mean who is it that really helps him? It's that it's I hmm. can't remember that actress's name who I really like. Um, but she freaking uses a rocket launcher, she she flies the plane. She gives him lip. I mean, I love her character. So, yeah, definitely the 80s is when it starts coming out. And then I think it gets even more um, expanded on in the 90s. And nowadays, I don't know, I feel like we're going backwards a little bit. But, yeah, we mm, won't go into that right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with that. I think the in the current climate, I mean, we've seen, I don't know, two or three years ago when they remade Ghostbusters, Mm. with all with all, all, women in the main roles anyway and that, that film got slated and it wasn't, I mean that wasn't the main reason I mean the film wasn't particularly good but it just feels a bit like times have changed a little bit and, and maybe not for the better where a lot of the films with a large female cast they tend to be either an attempt to remake Bridesmaids or mm. or something that in another world could be an all male cast but they haven't really changed it an awful lot was it bad mums i think we saw quite oh, recently yeah.
1: god don't even you know it's just like now this new thing of they want to remake uh you know lord of the flowers with women and i'm like that could not have happened with women on an island we would have all been you know we wouldn't have liked each other but we wouldn't have like pushed each other off of a cliff with a boulder you know goodness gracious it's a it's a book about toxic masculinity I mean, like, anyway, never mind, I won't go on a rant, I'm so sorry.
0: (laughs) No, no, I mean, every time I take my kids to soft play, it feels like Lord of the Flies, but it's a scary environment. (laughs) And can I just put it on record before I forget? I think this may be the first podcast ever that has referenced Steel Magnolias and Commando in a positive way. And I think that should be put on record somewhere. That's
1: good, that's what I'm here for. I mean, call on me any time.
0: <laughs> Thank you for bringing one of the all-time greats to this. And I mean, Commando. Um, uh, <laughs> ah. <laughs> I'll Sorry. let you get
1: away with that one. <laughs> Thank you.
0: I'll come to this to the film itself. Um, mm. Now, I mean, but this came out, according to IMDb, anyway, 30 years ago. so 1989. Yeah. And I always like to talk about some of the films that the director also did. Mm-hmm. Now, this is directed by Herbert Ross, who directed Footloose, the original. Oh. Okay, and fu- wow. And Funny Lady.
1: Oh, lovely. I didn't yeah. even know that. Sorry, I did zero research before this, but that's what you're here for, hey?
0: Yeah. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I had to do something while I was watching the film.
1: Nice. That's really cool because I love both of those movies. And actually, both of those movies have interesting female characters as well. So. Yeah.
0: Hmm. and. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I'll come to a little bit later, but apparently Herbert Ross didn't get on with a lot of the cast. And there was really? he had some issues. I think his his wife had died recent, uh, quite recently. And I think the characters actually kind of ganged up on him at one point and said, you know, stop being a dick. <laughs>
1: um, I don't blame them. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's not their fault that, oh, this is going to sound so insensitive, but it's not their fault that his wife died. You still need to yeah. be professional gosh I sound like a bitch there but you know what I mean
0: yeah and because this was based on a play and I didn't I kind of read that either during or after watching the film and you can see very clearly is a play that's been adapted for the screen um Mm. you know there are sort of very distinct sort of acts within it I mean the the first one be open and it's Shelby's wedding Julia Roberts and it's set in Louisiana and it's it's all very sort of tween in a certain way I mean mm. I suppose to to people who don't live in that kind of lifestyle Shelby calls Sally Field mama yes and you've got the husband and the sons like idiots running around how do you clear birds from a tree with a gun uh.
1: God, and then yeah. the firecrackers, and and as you say, you can also see that it's uh, based on a play, because it's got very distinct locations mm. in which it takes place, it's, you know, it's their house, it's Truby's uh, beauty shop, it's the church, you know, it's very distinct locations, as you say, and definitely the film is sort of sectioned up into almost acts, as you say, and the beginning of the film is so interesting to me, because it's this idyllic lifestyle. It's it's Shelby's wedding, as you say. She's still childlike. She's still innocent. And if you haven't seen the movie before, you won't really expect the tragedy that's going to come after the wedding, you know, how the, all that kind of stuff that's going to happen until, actually, you get to Chibi's beauty shop and Shelby has her first terrible diabetic fit. And then you start thinking to yourself, wait a minute, you know, yeah. maybe it's not all... Peaches and cream kind of thing. So, yeah.
0: It, it seems like it's set up as a sort of romantic comedy, in a mm. way. You've got the, let's say, the, the dad and the sons. You've got um, Shelby's uh, husband-to-be, who, let's Jackson. be honest, Jackson, mm. whose role in the film is, uh, I don't know, is he eye candy? I don't know. He does not <laughs> He doesn't do a lot. He doesn't no. contribute an awful lot. And uh-uh. he's one of those sort of very generic sort of handsome actors who kind of stands there I mean I I, he's one of those I've recognized from other films but god Mm. doesn't stand out in any way because he's not important
1: yeah no he's not very fleshed out I mean I think he's just supposed to be He's a typical Southern male who is spoiled. He doesn't fully understand his wife's illness. He wants, you know, he wants a son, all that kind of stuff. He's very traditional. Like Shelby, he's been spoiled. And, you know, there's that whole thing of before the wedding where, you know, he comes in and he says to uh, you know, I'm going to convince you that we're going to get married and all that kind of stuff. And you think it's like this childish game that they're playing with each other, you know, because they really are kids. I mean, I don't think either of them can be. I, I what? He's probably in his early twenties. She's probably also very young. It's, yeah, they're both very childlike. It's not much to him, as you say, which is actually kind of unfortunate because the actor whose name I've forgotten is actually quite a good actor he was a very good in American horror story and stuff like that but okay. yeah as you say he's not really he's not really given much to do beyond being sort of the husband who expects very traditional kind of things from her and yes he is our candy just to fill that in I mean I think <laughs> he's very handsome you know so um but then again I also think Tom Skerritt who plays the dad is handsome so you know that's just me.
0: Tom Skerritt is handsome, and he was also in Top Gun. So I'd yes, well, I
1: mean, I, anything with Tom Skerritt, I'll watch. I must say, and I love <laughs> Top Gun. So as you say, he's one of the best parts of that movie. Anyway, getting back to Steel Magnolias, sorry, I digress.
0: <laughs> well, I've just said um Julia Roberts would have been 22 when this film came out. So mm-hmm. yeah, very mm-hmm. early twenties. But uh, something else I only found out in doing the research was this was origin that was me- originally meant to be Meg Ryan. Oh. Who played that role and she dropped out in order to do when Harry met Sally? Yeah,
1: know, I'm much, much better suited to her, I think.
0: Yeah, I think. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, I, this is funny. I mean, always seem to look at these like, who could it have been? Yes. Um, and that, that was the only role that I guess probably or certainly had some information about having someone else in. But it, it did turn out quite well because, I mean, this was Julie Roberts' kind of first big role, really.
1: Yes, it's pre- Pretty Woman and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd never... I suppose I was, I was still quite young, but um, I wasn't aware of her at all before Pretty Woman came out, but yeah, she'd been in this and, and have a bits and bobs, but I suppose it's not bad. I mean, she wasn't... She's not carrying the film as such. There's such a strong cast around her. Yeah, Definitely but, in,
1: uh, in terms of the older woman, yeah.
0: And yet the film opens with Anel, with Daryl Hannah, sort of um, mm-hmm. walking into town, and uh, she goes up to the beauty salon, looking for a job, and um, we get uh, full Dolly Parton. Yes, oh, I
1: love her so much. What a great,
0: what a great, what a great role for her! It's, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen her in a lot of films, but again, I know very much who she is. Mm. Um, and this just seems to be almost like it was written with her in mind. Yeah, she just sort of spends the whole film almost being this dispenser of wisdom or Dollyisms, yes. as I wrote down yeah do you know which philosopher said that
1: Dolly Parton
0: yeah and people say she's just a big pair of tits
1: she is perfect in as you say I mean when, then when a chevy does her her hair and uh and she's like, "Oh my, my work tends to be poofy when I'm nervous." <laughs> and, and, and Dolly Parton's like, "Don't worry, I what well, I sleep with toilet paper around my head, so it gets pretty smooshed in that process." And I'm like, "That is so Dolly Parton." I just I could totally imagine her sleeping with toilet paper around her head, and you would be totally fine with it because it's Dolly Parton, you know. And she just looks. I mean, my mom was like, "Oh God, look at her waist. It's so tiny." I'm like. <laughs> just I, there's just so much to love about her in this movie, as you say, and she she is definitely a dispenser of wisdom. She, I love when she says to uh, Olympia Dukakis' character, Carice, she's like, "I think there's a story there, you know," and you like she's already sussing up the situation, which is great.
0: I suppose if you're in a small town and you're working in somewhere like a, a salon or hairdressing mm. or something like that, that's where you learn a lot about people. Um, Yes. I mean, one of the things she said that I wrote down was, there's no such thing as natural beauty.
1: Yes. And I'll it it after her. (laughs) It's like a mantra kind of thing. But but, I mean, you know, when you're in the beauty industry, that is so true. I mean, my mother's a qualified beautician, and she pretty much has the same thought process, really.
0: (laughs) It's not just gossip either. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. you learn about, you know, when people go there for and again sort of like spoilers going ahead but you know this film is based around events yes. you've got weddings and people coming home and the stuff at the end and you're doing people's hair and making them look pretty for these events and there's the tension between Shelby and her mum mm-hmm. and I, I, I should have made more of an effort no, Sally Field is Julia Roberts mum and mm-hmm. her name is is it Malin?
1: Yeah, it's it's Lin. Malin or Malin. Malin. I mean, the 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 characters seem to sort of either pronounce it as Malin or Malin. So yeah. I sort of just go with Malin.
0: She was, um, I I found her quite terrifying.
1: <laughs> she is. She's strict. She yeah. has to be, though. I mean, as you said, she's got a bit of a buffoon for a husband. She's got a daughter who's been very sick. I mean, she's been the one who's had to be in, in control the, most of the time, you know. Everyone leans on her. And uh, my mother doesn't like the part where, where Shelby has her fit and, she you know, she talks to her like she's five and I said to my mom but the problem is that you know she has to do that with her in order to retain control of the situation because if she doesn't do it then the fit is going to get worse and and all of that kind of stuff and it's a really scary scene as you say Sally Field's character is kind of scary because she's so strong but I I just I actually just adore her in that part as well
0: because this is where Shelby has a fit while she's being sort of Mm -hmm. dolled up and that they do mention that it's diabetes, but I mean, they're pouring juice down her throat. I suppose it's being a parent of that, you know exactly what to do. And I guess after a certain amount of time, it probably just becomes almost second nature. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but, to, but to see particularly Anel's reaction to it, you've got people of various backgrounds and different ages and experiences seeing mm-hmm. a mum basically grab her daughter around the throat and shove orange juice down there
1: well you know i mean the thing is you know as i said it's about taking control of the situation because you know i mean she's whacking the juice away she's going if you don't leave me alone i'm gonna leave and she says oh i'd like to see you try and all that kind of stuff and, and i mean yes having someone have a, a anxiety induced diabetic fit is not exactly going to be something you can handle well unless you're used to it as you say because uh even truvi says to her you know should I get her a cookie? And she says, no, juice is better. And Mm. as you say, it's about knowing what to do in the situation. And also, I mean, Anal is so sheltered. I mean, uh, I have seen people have fits and stuff um, before because, uh, you know, I'm in education and uh, a few students have had them. And it's, it's really, you have to be in control of the situation. Otherwise everyone is running around like a headless chicken. They are screaming their heads off, making the situation about them. So you kind of have to just, be like okay sorry this is what we have to do kind of thing you know so it is actually very realistic in that sense
0: so this point we've had the early indications anyway that shelby is perhaps not in the best health Mm -hmm. we had some comments earlier that she's been advised not to have children and we go back to the house for the the wedding which is all the the usual chaos and like you mentioned the the idiots with the firecrackers (laughs) this is the point where is it weezer she yes. says to Anel about her husband and she said men are the most horrible creatures
1: they will ruin your life <laughs>
0: <laughs> speaking as a male it's pretty accurate
1: mm. well i mean poor weezer hasn't had the best experience and then as you say anel is telling her that you know her husband's taken all of her jewels all of her clothes all of their money and as you say their marriage might not even be valid so you know, it's true. Uh, men can really do do a ring on you. It's it's uh, <laughs> they can really destroy your life. That's the thing that, that this movie is showing is that women do have to sacrifice a lot for men in their lives. You know, mm. um, often men uh, often women don't really see a life without their husband. So yeah, yeah.
0: But yet yeah, these are generally quite successful women because um, mm. Weezer's supposed to be quite well off.
1: She has more money than God. <laughs> yeah. <that was> it.
0: <laughs> and I I recognize that saying from it was a Bond film a couple of years afterwards. What's true is that in 48 hours you and I will have more money than God. And Mr Bond here will have a small memorial service with only money penny and a few tearful restaurateurs in attendance.
1: They stole it. <laughs> they stole it from Silva <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I got to steal it from something. Yeah, Olympia Dukakis is Mrs. Belcher, who's sort recently widowed, but <clears throat> almost like a sort of I would say leader of the community. But she's very well established, Involved. well known. Yeah. Mm. Now they're older again than than the other ladies, but they the sort of relationship between them. There's no fighting, but it's playful joshing in most of it. There's a lot of teasing mm. going on, and this is when I suppose. A, I occasionally make reference to the whole Beckdale test mm. in films because I mean that that's the established thing where two women in a film who talk to each other about something besides a man. Yeah, you know, th- this film in the
1: first ten minutes or whatever it is. Yeah,
0: this film sort of properly smashes that, and it's mostly them taking the mick out of their various adventures and schemes and stuff. It's um, it's very refreshing, <laughs> and they're a lot more yeah. I would say vicious with it because it's it's generally well-intentioned but um yeah you know, there's, there's a lot of wit and barb behind those comments
1: yeah there's a there's a certain cattiness but it's so well the, the dialogue is whip smart it's it's just you know it's the way they deliver it as well is just like absolutely incredible i mean uh, Clarice Olympia de Caucus, you know, she gets to the salon. And she's like, "I've just been to the the children's opening society," you know. She says it with such pride, and you you should think to yourself, "Gee, my goodness, she's a bit of a boastful cow." <laughs> but she, you you just love her so much that you're like, "Oh yeah, that's so that's so wonderful," you know. And the way she goes into Truby's, um salon, and you can see she's been there a million times before because she just whips off her dress and starts putting on her, her thing, and then as you say, it comes out of the ba- bathroom and says, "You know, I don't know how." Malin hasn't murdered her husband because you know he's been firing the shots, and I mean the way that Weezer talks to Tom Skerritt's uh, character—I think his name's Drum—and she, mm. you know, he says, "Oh, you, you look like um, something shit." I can't remember. And he says, "Oh, you look like regular shit," and she isn't taking his shit, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a, as you say, it's a, it's a brilliant exchange. It's not for a moment. Where you think oh they 're just like, "Oh, I have male problems, or uh, you know my husband it's yeah, as you say it 's about their lives, what they 're going mm-hmm. through at their time, and as you say, they are very successful women they 're very interesting women
0: well, after this we we go to the wedding or the the wedding mm-hmm. and the reception. This is where we can see how the film has dated because they 're all you know especially the men have ludicrous haircuts you know." <laughs> mullets and ice hockey player haircuts and all that (laughs) the suits look like it's hard to describe i mean it's it's the late 80s
1: oh come to krugersdorp where i live you will see people who still have hair like this and who are still dressed like this yeah it's like the deep south
0: but uh, are they are they ironically hipsters
1: no, oh, they okay. they they are um they are older Afrikaans people, and they still live in the eighties. So I mean, you know, you just um if you don't see one of them on the West Rand, you like you're not on the West Rand.
0: Sorry.
1: <laughs> the wedding, I mean, you can see Shelby's plan of blush and beige shawl, you know, and as her mother says, it's pink and pink. And yeah. then that armadillo cake. I mean, that is just my mother loves that. By the way, she's that like, I ma- want I want to have that cake.
0: That was magnificent. I mean having a wedding cake and you'd think for a wedding like that it would be the most traditional style
1: mm.
0: but it was a sort of family member who makes these red velvet armadillo cakes
1: the idea of having a groom's cake, I mean you've got the wedding cake and then you've got the groom's cake, I mean I've never heard yeah. of them
0: in my Maybe that's a southern thing but then it gave Tom <laughs> Skerritt the line of when he was seen eating The arse end of the... I
1: think like a nice piece of ass. (laughs) (laughs) And I love how Weezer says, I am not going to talk to you. And you're like, but you're talking to him.
0: (laughs) They're like a married couple, except they're not.
1: No, exactly. They they really are extremely well matched. I mean, as you were saying about the family member and how she says, you know, I can make anything. And they're like, oh, and then, she says, "I can't. I can't make a snake. I don't have the the kind of space or whatever." And you're like, "Uh, thank you for sharing that with us." And Weezer's like, "You made this," and you're like, "Weezer, just calm down, okay?" It's cute.
0: Anything that could be roadkill, you can make a cake out of.
1: Yeah, especially if you're in the sauce.
0: Yeah, they go off on their honeymoon with the car decorated in condoms, which she'd made a big thing about not doing mm-hmm.
1: it. I... It's going back to that sort of juvenile state that a lot of the men in the movie are in, you know, that they think that's so funny you know they think it's so hilarious there's also some choice dialogue during that reception because you know that part where they talk about that woman who's not wearing a girdle and they say it looks <laughs> like two pigs fighting under a blanket i just love that and that whole dance you know what um happy on the bayou where you know those people are um, and my mom said you know if you go and look at um afrikaans people in south africa they love to dance uh long as they call it which is mm. it translated into long arm and uh, okay. if you see them dancing it, it looks very similar to this. And it's the same kind of, you know, southern-sounding music. And um, this part of the the movie shows that sort of light-hearted, romantic comedy, ha-ha kind of thing, you know, um, which is very well done. And I also love the discussion between um, Shelby and her mom. That's also really good.
0: Well, one thing I didn't make a note of was um, Malin spoke to Jackson well, mm-hmm. June, and, and that was a kind of... I mean, I've referred to one of the previous episodes of the world's worst pep talk. This wasn't far <laughs> off. This was kind mm. of like, are you sure you know what you're doing? I said, so, well, one, it's a bit late now, you're married. And two, you know, obviously they're still talking about the kids thing, which was an issue, but it just... Way, way to bring a down on it.
1: Yeah, it's not... And it's, you know, the thing is, you get this kind of feeling that Millen doesn't really like Jackson, you know, she... But you think to yourself... Your husband is very similar to your son-in-law, yeah. they don't, you know they don't understand the gravity of the situation. And you know, Jackson stands there with his arms crossed, and you re- immediately know that he's not going to listen to a word she's saying. Yeah. And it's interesting, as you say, that it's happening during this festive occasion because that is once again another clue in the beginning of the movie that things are going to start sort of taking a very serious turn.
0: We've had the wedding, they've gone off on their honeymoon. Now, this is the yeah. end of, I suppose, the first act. The second comes back at Christmas. And now this is at some big sort of Christmas fair.
1: Festival thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, and there's a big football game going on. And mm-hmm. now this is the fir- the first thing you see is Dolly Parton. I've just written Dolly rather than Truby. She's serving some food from, I, I I don't even know what it is. It yeah, looks it's... It looks like a big dustbin is emptying onto a tray.
1: <laughs> it's like, you're just like conveyor contraption thing. And, and I mean, if you haven't seen the movie like a trillion times like I have, you really don't know what the heck she's putting the food in either. You're like, it's just putting it in like a cardboard box kind of thing. But she's actually putting it in these two little things inside of a, a tray thing. And it's, a, it's, it's Bayou Gumbo or, or something like that, which Why? does actually sound rather good.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't look like much of a delicacy the way it's being served, but then I suppose yeah. they, they'll probably come over here and see how people up here eat, and the, even our our friends in the north with their deep-fried Mars bars.
1: Oh, God. I love Mars bars, but I don't think I could eat oh, them deep-fried. Believe <laughs> me,
0: they are wonderful. Um,
1: uh, worry, it's the same, yeah, we also have food that people come and eat here, and they're like, whoa. Yeah. Kind of, you
0: know. <laughs> and Anel is here very different she's Mm. um, high maintenance but she's I mean she's a a world away from how she was at the beginning of the movie
1: yeah she's no longer this mousy bespeckled little girl with rather terrible streaks, you know, she's got her hair done. she she's basically modeled herself very closely on Truvy, if you think about it, because they almost look mm. like twins you know, the way they dress, <laughs> the way their hair is um, you know, and she now, they, yeah, then she talks to Shel- then Shelby appears, and they're like oh, you know, Shelby, hi you know, didn't know you were in the Snake of the woods and I, I always get confused because for me, I always forget that this movie takes place in a small town, you know, for mm. me, the, the movie just takes place it's like it represents the whole south for me which is terribly generalized and not the point at all you know and I always forget that Shelby doesn't live in the same town anymore you know she she lives the parish over or whatever they call it but then you yeah, as you say Daryl Hannah's character goes on about how she was drinking and smoking and then she saw the error of her ways and now she goes to church and all that kind of stuff my mom and I always look at each other in this part we're like okay So, and then she loses her contact lens and she's like, nobody move my, my contact. My mom and I both wear contact lenses and we're like, it's gone. It's gone forever. Sorry. You're never going to get it back.
0: (laughs) Just be a bit blurry.
1: Yeah. No, just look, just close your one eye and sort of walk around. I have done that
0: before. And uh, in the football locker room, there's the, Mm. the scene because, um, Mrs. Belcher has bought the local radio station and is acting as a sort of commentator for this football game while all the um, the young men are in various states of undress in the locker room. And you've got we- Weezer sitting in the background just snarking away. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, she's like, would you say that, what, that this top is grape or Virgin? And then Wieser's like, no one gives a, gives a shit about that crap. You know, they want to hear about touchdowns and injuries and stuff. And is like, uh, um, Clarice is like, excuse me, kind of thing. But I totally agree. I mean, God, it's it's like, you know, we love cricket and rugby over here. And uh, if you had to tell me the, the color of the uniforms, I'd be like, okay, moving on, kind of thing. I mean, ours is green so
0: there's not much to say about it uh shelby has told her mum that she's pregnant we're used to hollywood films and i suppose most of real life where if someone tells their mother they're expecting a baby it's handshakes and big hugs and everyone's everyone's happy but um yeah malin takes it the other way because Mm. she knows exactly what this could mean
1: yeah she sees a Does Jackson actually listen when you go to specialists? I know that you, you don't, does he? And then she won't look at, she won't look at Shelby in the eye and eventually Shelby you know says to her, You're just jealous because it really rubs you the wrong way that you're not in control anymore. And when I was younger, I used to think to myself, Oh yes, you know, that's the truth. You know, moms always want to control the situation. But now that I'm older I realise that Malin is coming from a place of real concern. She knows the seriousness of the situation. Shelby doesn't. Shelby thinks that everything's going to be wonderful. And then, you know, you can see that Melinda's, like, just about breaking down because she goes into the bedroom and she she says, you know, I'll tell you what I want. And then she says, I don't know what I want. And then Shelby says to her, but I need your support. And she starts crying and she says, but um, I'd rather have uh, 30 minutes of, of uh, wonderful than a lifetime of nothing special at all. And you think to yourself that that's really true, but at the same time you're thinking, babe, how are you going to make it through this, you know?
0: And one of the things that Malin says is that, you know, she needs to put limits on her. And you kind of compare this to, you know, Sally Field went through a bit of a run of playing these sort of mum characters. There was this and Mrs. Doubtfire and Forrest Gump. Mm, And so, of course, Forrest Gump in particular, I mean, he probably needed some limits. Yes. Um, And I guess the whole point of that story was that, he didn't and um he actually yeah. he actually did alright but um we don't find out until again later on that exactly the poor health that shelby's in because they've talked yeah. you know and and it's a strange one to see that she talked about adopting that they she wouldn't be allowed to adopt because of her poor health yes and yet obviously that while it's nothing that can be controlled she can get pregnant it's um, it's an odd sort of scenario, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's completely turning the usual um, rom com or you know uh, melodrama on its head, and not having a baby be a happy sort of event that that sort of reconnects people. It actually drives a wedge between people because you know that it's going to turn out to be not great. It's a very serious, as you say, it's a very serious, real moment as well because a lot of the time when people women do have you know are going to have children it's not always easy that's not, that's not always the case that everyone's like oh yeah you know so wonderful it can be that people go oh god you know you mm. shouldn't be doing this kind of thing
0: when the dad makes a big announcement of it at the mm. sort of the, the gathering and the mum runs off and and the, the other should I call them the Magnolias? Does that make them sound like, yes. like the Avengers or something? Um yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> so she, she kind of retreats and they go. And they, I think they generally quickly suss out that while mm. you can be happy, you know, at least concerned for, for her and, and everything. And that's when they all kind of put their hands on each other. And it's like mm. a big that's when it becomes a bit like a superhero moment
1: oh I love that part where they're like putting yeah and then they keep moving their hands and stuff <laughs> like that that is something that women would do as well you mm. would definitely do that with your your group of female friends and as you say it's it's a moment of joy oh Shelby showed them and she says no it's not a fact of a matter that, that she sh- can't have children it's that she shouldn't have children mm. and Weezer who's normally as you say the snarky bitch is the one who says you know this, this child is not exactly great news but as you said they see that They just say, you know, we're going to see it through and we're going to be okay.
0: And then after this, we we have a gap of, I suppose, best part of 18 months, Mm -hmm. because the next scene is the baby's first birthday or Jackson Junior, of course. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (sighs) That's that's something I, I don't often get. That seems like a huge vanity thing
1: uh it's that whole thing of sorry you know male pride male lineage especially in places like the south where you know um it reminds me a bit of the godfather when your guy comes and says i hope that their first child will be a masculine child you know and you're like uh okay no it's like also in american movies where they call each other they call their their son son and you're like doesn't the guy have a name why are you calling him son the whole time you know
0: <laughs> well at least we know that he'll then have jackson the third and jackson the fourth or, or jackson yeah. ju- junior junior however that works <laughs> the
1: junior of the junior of the second junior
0: <laughs> yeah now uh shelby goes off to get a haircut uh nice and short <laughs> the the magnolias get together again and have a good laugh I mean, the haircut is... It sounds, it sounds awful, but it, it, the haircut looks awful. Yeah,
1: it's 1989. True, <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah. She, she, she didn't look that happy with it.
1: No, she looks very much like she... Uh, she looks like Tinkerbell, like she did in know mm. uh, It was Hook, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah Similar kind of haircut.
0: And then <clears> they've gone to do her nails and they find all the bruises on her arms. Now, of course, these days, that would be more associated with some sort of self-harm... Sort of thing, but um yeah, but t- yeah, but now it turns out that it's and I, I, this is something I'm not very familiar with, but it's actually a, a sort of side effect or a, a thing of dialysis.
1: Mm, yeah, if- well, I mean, it makes sense because, it's, it's, but she says she describes it kind of weirdly. She's like, he's trying to strengthen my veins, and I'm like, but dialysis is about keeping the kidneys going, but mm. I suppose veins are rather important in the body. So I also love melin's crack where she's like, yes. Shelby has indeed been running nails up her arms. (laughs) So funny. It's, it's also, once again, that sort of, that very clever dialogue that sort of cuts, it doesn't bog you down too much. It's a serious moment, but they get the dialogue and the delivery right so that you get a little bit of a laugh in there. And also the whole thing about the, the you know, the son being gay and Weezer coming in and saying, <laughs> Oh, I love my track lighting. And then, you know, oh, oh, what's his name? Steve's okay. And you're like, Oh God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very it it's a part of the movie that shouldn't actually have aged well but the way they approach it it's actually quite um funny and it's very true to life you know the guy has to tell his parents that he might be dying of cancer before they'll accept that he's gay and, and a lot of the time it is still like that even though it's 2019 so that's also a, a, um, a realistic part of the movie in a way
0: yeah and i guess we're still at a part where that seems more like a son might be being made fun of for being camp rather than gay, I suppose. Yeah, there's which, no
1: homophobia yeah. really, Really, are. Yeah.
0: Shelby gets a, ki- a new kidney from mum that all goes off supposedly peaceful anyway. Anel is shacked up with the barman that she met at the wedding and yeah. she seems to have gone back certainly in appearance and demeanour ways almost back to how she was at the beginning. Yeah, She's a little bit more strong-willed but she, you know, she, she's having a go at him for keeping beer in the fridge and taking the Lord's name in vain.
1: Oh and they must pray and all of that. That
0: sounds like a school. really happy household.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh gosh, yeah. It's really not um but it's very funny how he like, you know, he says he swears and he says that and all that. I mean, I would also be rather I mean, I don't drink, but I would be really pissed off if someone took something I wanted to drink and poured it out of it. It's such a waste as well. I mean beer has never been cheap. It's a thing. Well, <laughs> maybe certain types of beer have never been cheap i don't care what you do in your refrigerator but you will not keep liquor in mine Oh, a nail for christ's sake who christ who did you say christ 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 are you speaking of our lord is that whose name you're taking in
0: vain that's the one I'm sorry
1: Sammy but I'm not about to spend the next 50 years of my life with someone who I'm not going to run into in the hereafter
0: oh Nell god damn it I
1: think
0: we should pray yeah so we've had the the transplant where I think the the doctor's synopsis was it looks good
1: looks real good he sounds yeah. like he comes from Chicago but <laughs> I like
0: it looks looks real good well that's hmm. just what you want to hear and then Nell's bridal shower
1: <laughs> yeah oh, <laughs> guys in the crotchless <laughs> panties she's like <laughs> I know that this is from you, Weezer. You have the what? You have the handwriting of a serial killer. I would like to apologise at this time, though, to all of the listeners for my awful Southern accent. But I just, I just have to, I just have to say it in the Southern accent. Sorry, so something comes over me.
0: <laughs> but no, it's, it's better because um, if I did it, it would sound offensive. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is the part where I suppose we can gently mock. I mean, I, I think I wrote at one point that she's turned into a God botherer. <laughs> I suppose that the idea of buying her saucy clothes a bridal shower obviously to make her uncomfortable at least they didn't go into too much detail about
1: that yeah I mean Weezer just says well uh, you wouldn't mind you reading the bible in bed as long as you were wearing something inspirational (laughs) you know so it is a very very funny and I mean also they have I mean it's a um, holiday it's a Halloween themed uh, Mm. uh, bridal shower Um, so it's 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 a bridal shower hey yeah I always get confused with that part
0: yeah I mean it's something I mean certainly in the UK, I don't think, I don't know if that's that big a thing. um I suppose you've got hen parties and that, but um hmm. yeah, showers for everything.
1: Well, we've become like that. We also, people here have started, you know, these, we don't do that stupid reveal thing that they seem to have done in America where you reveal the gender of your child. I'm like, what oh, difference does God. this make? Yeah. yeah so at least we rather I... get ha- um, halloween themed hen party than that kind of crap you can see it's still <laughs> 1989
0: you know yeah well ha- halloween's a big thing over there i guess
1: it is it's, it's it seems to have got a gla- uh, i can't talk today sorry gain global traction though because they're even mm. doing it here now and i yeah. mean geez that's a very recent thing for us <laughs> as well i mean it's, yeah. it's summer here for goodness sakes when october <laughs> we can't we can't even say oh yeah it's autumn so that's why we're doing i mean no
0: but yeah, we uh, there's a little part I just mentioned. That there's another scene at the salon, and then we go back to the Jackson Shelby house, and yeah. Shelby has collapsed. The kids screaming. The food's on. Of course the. The Dad seems more worried about, "Oh God, do I have to look after the kid'
1: <laughs> well, he's really yeah, because even before that, as you say you you see that she 's looking after babies at the at the hospital, and she says mm. that she 's fed the one child and not the other, and you know that's that also that part always upsets me because she doesn 't look good she 's in a fucking hospital, sorry for swearing again, <laughs> you know, and she knows she 's not feeling good, and yet she still goes home. I'm sorry, being a typical woman, because that's what we do, you know, like, we will be on death's door, literally, as in this case, and we'll be like, no, it's fine, I can go home and cook spaghetti and, you know, put my kid in a clown suit, you know, and I'm just like, if you had just said, you know what, I'm not feeling good, maybe I should go and have a checkup or something, maybe she could have been saved, you know, because God knows how long she's been lying there by the time useless Jackson Senior gets there, God. You know, yeah. oh, what's what's wrong, buddy? What's wrong? The kid's pointing at where his mother has collapsed, and like, can you can you just turn? Can you just turn your head? you' can, you'll, you'll be able to see you. you well,
0: he twit. might have, might put hair out of place or something like that. But...
1: Oh God, yeah, no, it might have you know, yeah, perfect like low waves, you yeah, know. he just he really, as you said, you don't really like him in the beginning of the movie, and then he really just loses traction because he's even more like. Ugh.
0: And as this scene plays out, Shelby goes into hospital. He's the one that signs the form to turn off the life support machine, which yeah. I guess is you know his wife's right, husband but um everything after that to do with the kid. it's either his family member or Malin who's looking yes. after the kid you know he i don't do they have any interaction again I, I don't think so
1: It doesn't seem to not ring true because you think to yourself this guy is like an like a like an adult baby himself i mean <laughs> how is he gonna bloody look after a kid you know as you said he he looks so totally out of place when he comes home and discovers all of this because he's like oh jesus you know i have to actually pick up my kid hey buddy what but i'm like oh my god you know just bleh.
0: you know i i look after my girls you know and my wife's at work and my mum always says oh god you know your, things are different now you know back in when i was a kid i are talking 80s early 80s here my dad didn't, but that wasn't because he didn't choose to. It's because you know that was how things were, um, yeah. and it's weird looking back now. But you know, and I love those days when I have the girls, and they are incredibly tiring, especially when I then have to go to work afterwards. But um, yeah, he he's just portrayed as this at the time, I suppose, probably very normal guy, and yeah. look, and this is perhaps this is the thing that's aged the worst of the whole film is that thirty years later, he comes across as A useless father, and other than going off and earning money to pay for things, he doesn't really contribute an awful lot.
1: Yeah, but as you say, it goes back to that whole thing of he's clearly wanted a child, a male child, to carry on that family name. It's not really that he wants a son, you know, but almost as you say with this movie, it's almost like he wants to have a son that comes out of a box fully grown or something. I mean, as you say, it was the same with my dad. Uh, my dad had had two children with his first wife before he married my mother. So he actually taught my mom how to change nappies, bath the kids, all that kind of stuff. But he had to work, as you say. So my mom also leaned heavily on her mother. But my brother, like you, he looks after my niece more than my my sister-in-law does because she works away in the office and he works from home. So it, it has changed a lot. But yeah, it it has aged badly. But the thing is that it's in the story in the for the time, as you say, it is believable because that's a lot of the time what you know men in that sort of it's a very patriarchal society that they're living in, and so it doesn't actually seem unbelievable that he really wouldn't you know make much of an effort in the in the father department. Yeah. so like, it doesn't seem to be much of a husband either because <laughs> if you go earlier into the movie you know she says to her mother i think having this child will help a lot and you think help with what yeah are there problems in the marriage you know mm, i think of that part in *Cat on a tot roof where you know she uh, judith anderson points at the bed and says when there's rocks the rocks are there you know and you think to yourself It's true, but it's also these two are just not well-matched at all. I mean, Shelby's this wonderful, clever, bright girl, and he's just, as you say, like a clunk. So, yeah, not given much to do, poor thing.
0: If only they had Tinder back then.
1: Southern Tinder. Louisiana-style Tinder. 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 (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The, The hospital scene is also very good you know how she she's there and she's moving her legs and she's like we're doing jane Fonda today and the nurse says that the movement will be good for her and then when she shows shelby the picture and she's like just just open your eyes shelby just open your eyes and then when drum tries to massage her shoulders and she's just like elbowing him to get away from her mm-hmm. because she's trying to read to shelby and he's like no you need to get out and she says what if she wakes up for two minutes and i'm not here And my mom said to me, she's like, you know, that's exactly what you do as a mother. You sit there until you are just about dead. And my dad actually would do the same thing. As as you say, that's another thing that maybe is against men in this movie is the fact that Drum, he's there, but he's like, not really there. You know, what are you really doing? Your daughter's dying, you know? So I don't think once again, he actually realizes she is dying. I think in his head, he thinks she's going to wake up.
0: But this is, again, like a a similar thing from other films where, you know, normally it would be the husband at the side of the bed. You know, even something like uh, Rocky 2 was Rocky staying at age inside the whole time. This wasn't about that. This was about the mum and the daughter. It's not about husband and wife. And it's it's Mm. the relationship, I suppose, this sounds insensitive, but it's quite one-sided at this point. Um, But it's about Malin trying to maintain that with shelby
1: she's almost willing her back to life basically but it yeah. doesn't really work
0: yeah i mean you mentioned it earlier and she'll come to it later when the men can't be in the room when they turn off the machine you know um yeah. jackson is the one who's happily well sort happily signed the form and tom scarrett is kind of like uh all right okay it's done now all right where, where's my yeah. gun
1: you know, uh, my mom says she can't even hug her own husband. I mean, that's so strange. And I said the fact of the matter is that she can't give up control yet because she has to be the one who makes sure that Shelby's funeral is arranged. And she says, you know, you've got to get a pink suit and you've got to phone this funeral parlor. And, because the men don't know what to do because they've had everything done for them, clearly. You know, they they don't know how to actually act independently of the woman in this film. And then she drives and she goes and gets Jackson Jr., who runs to her. I love that part so much when he runs to her on his little leggies. And, you know, Aunt Fern is also a lovely character. She doesn't get given much screen, screen time, but you can see she's also a very caring, lovely woman because she's looked after him for God knows how long Mm. while this has all been going on, you know? So it is, it's a, and you see that beautiful scene of, of uh, Sally Fields crying in the car like that, which shows what a fabulous actress she is because it's just so much. She doesn't say a word. You just know that she is dying inside, you know, the way she's trying to not cry and she's trying to drive at the same time. And also the, the cinematography in that scene is stunning because, you know, you see the reflection of the, the bayou and all that stuff. So it's it's a really, it's a great sequence.
0: It's just a shame Burt Reynolds wasn't driving her.
1: It's, you know, unfortunately, I think he would have been making too many jokes. So, you know, yeah. wouldn't really have fitted in in. Smokey, and then they would have had the of chasing them. No, I don't think that would
0: have fit, no. <laughs> smokey in the steel magnolias. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah no, 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 no. Another time. no,
1: no. <laughs> A mashup. A, a mashup. I
0: cannot see. i uh, I'll keep. It. I'll keep it to <laughs> myself.
1: Where are we going? No, don't tell me. Let me guess. We are a bride in search of a wedding. No. No.
0: There, there is a wedding in search of a bride. They're getting ready for the funeral. Malin's kind of taken charge with saying what everyone needs, and it's the the part where you probably get it quite a lot in a small town, where it's the guy who married Shelby the priest is then delivering her funeral afterwards we've got jackson looking very sad very morose but that's about it yeah everyone else is i say getting on with it i'm i'm surprised anel's constant and this is where i did write god bothering that was when i was surprised one of them didn't give her a slap
1: but then you know the thing is that what i like about that scene is that all of the women come together there's no need for any words. You know, they all mm. go to Milan at the graveside and they, they talk to her. But as you said, the thing is that uh, Anil says to her that, you know, what? well, she gives her a verbal slap, basically, because yeah. she says, well, maybe I'm selfish, you know, maybe I'd rather have her here. And Anil says to her, I know it sounds simple or dumb and maybe I am, but this is how I make sense of the situation. And it's showing that sort of thing of our people deal with things differently she has her religion to make her feel better um, to try and get her through that time because you know what that's the thing about this movie it doesn't make sense that a character like Shelby dies so young I mean she's this vibrant lovely person you know she's a bit spoiled but she actually really matures and you think to yourself it's not fair it's not fair that she's gone and then that's when Melinda has her breakdown because finally she's just had enough. She can't be strong anymore. And she says, I want to know why. I want. She screams like that. Oh, honey, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm
0: fine. I can jog all the way to Texas and back, but my daughter can't. She never could. Oh, God, I'm so mad I don't know what to do. I want to know why. I want to know why Shelby's life is over. I want to know how that baby will ever know how wonderful his mother was. Will he ever know what she went through? My... Oh, God, I want to know why. Why? Lord, I wish I could understand.
1: No. No. No, it's not supposed to happen this way. I'm supposed to go first. I've always been ready to go first. I, I, I was, I'm always sobbing in that scene. I just cry so much. I mean, it's so heart-wrenching and it's so true. I mean, my mom said to me the one time, you know, who a who, uh, half uncle, he he died before my, my grandmother. And uh, she said to uh, my gran, who was her full daughter, um, said to her, you know, you're not supposed, to put your son, because he wasn't actually her son by blood, but she, like, you, of course, adopted him. And she said, you know, you, you, your child is not supposed to go before you. And that's what Malin said. She says, I was always ready to go first. Why? I want to know why, you know, this has happened.
0: Well, I suppose that's nature in a way, isn't it? You're not built to do that with your kid. This is where she says that men are supposed to be made of steel. Apparently is all done in one take as well.
1: Oh, my gosh. I can just imagine it, though. These women are just fabulous.
0: Mm. And then we get some light heart relief when she's offered the chance to hit Weezer. <laughs> <Did she>
1: take, <laughs> you want something to hit? Hit this. Take a whack at Weezer. You know, she's like, are you, are you, have you got mad? Have you lost your mind? <laughs> and they're all, like, hosing themselves. And also, I oh, always just start laughing. You're almost choking on your tears, but you're laughing at the same time. And Olympia de Carcas's delivery is just so... Fabulous. And then, yeah, Clarice and, and Weezer have that, that lovely moment on the bench where she's like, You are a pig from hell. You you are evil and you must be destroyed. And then she's like, This is my bench. And she's like, Get what? She says to her, I love you more than I, I love my luggage. And you think, God, that must be some very special luggage. But Clarice would have expected. And then she says, Such a woman line as well. Have your roots done. I mean, that is, you know, it just sums it all up.
0: It, they are like two toddlers fighting, but, you know, they love each other.
1: It's a sort of friendship where they know each other's warts and, and boils and all that kind of stuff. And they still love each other. You know, and my mom always says, you know, just Clarice is really horrible to Weezer in this part. I said, I always say to her, but mom, Clarice should be giving a, given a medal for being friends with Weezer. She basically is Weezer's one true friend. Weezer is high maintenance. She's full of shit. I mean, you know, she always doesn't even want to talk about that guy that she's having that relationship with. He's <laughs> so sweet. Yeah. Um, and so you think to yourself, you know, that in that moment, Clarice actually, as she said, things were getting entirely too serious and we needed to laugh. And it's that whole thing, like um, Dolly Parton says in the next scene where she says laughter through tears is, is a lovely feeling. And that's very well put.
0: And this is pretty much it. I mean, we have... Another event mm. when Anel, because Anel's pregnant, she has her baby at an uh, Easter parade, Easter bonnet thing, Easter egg hunt. Yeah. and And that's kind of almost, you know, there's not a lot in that scene, but there's enough just to sort of show that next bit of closure. Yeah. Jackson's there being comforted by Malin, not mm. not his dad. It, I suppose it's nice because it finishes on a, a happy-ish ending, despite all yeah. the tragedy.
1: I mean, Truby gets her shop because her husband finally comes through for her after being a tossed-all movie, you know, and he actually has a scene before the funeral early on in the movie that's quite profound, where he says, you know, you can't imagine that stuff happening, and I think it makes him appreciate Truby, and then as you say, poor Anal's husband who can't see through the bunny suit, you know, how he even gets on that motorbike, you don't know. Um and Clarice, once again, is rather terrible about Weezer. T- you know, tells Jackson that story about her being the evil witch and he whacks Weezer in the face. <laughs> and, well, and the very clever thing about this movie is that it starts at Easter time with that wedding, you know, a time of new beginnings. It ends at Easter and, you know, it's the the coming child. And also it's very clever because Easter, you know, is a symbolic time, if you want to go all really, you know, hmm. philosophical, of new birth. And stuff like that in the Northern Hemisphere where it's spring and everything's you know, new is coming in. So it is actually a really clever little subtle thing that is put in there for the viewer to say, you know, look, things are okay. As you said, despite the fact that we've lost our Shelby, we might be getting another, another new life. Because Noel says to Milan, you know, if we have a boy, a girl, we'll call him Shelby. And then (laughs) Truby says, well, if you have a, what if you have a boy? Shelby I guess (laughs) you know it's very cute and I love the ending I love the music at the end and all of that stuff as well and you get this lovely panning shot of that whole town so I think also what the ending of the movie compounds is the fact that Jackson was never really part of their world yeah and Jackson Junior is so that's why Jackson's not there
0: I mean he's half Shelby at the end of the day
1: Exactly. See, he's more, you know, he always feels more like Shelby's child than he does Jackson's, as we were saying. So it's, yeah, it's actually fitting that he is with them at the end.
0: That was Steel Magnolias. We made it. Yes. Yeah, managed to talk about Commando and some other films.
1: I think we did well.
0: <laughs> anyway, Gabriella, thank you very much for bringing your, uh, I don't know, was this a Betamax tape, probably?
1: Yeah, <laughs> sure <it> was. <laughs>
0: Now, we've talked about your Twitter and your various um, love of older films. Mm-hmm. What, in particular, would people find on your Twitter feed?
1: Well, um, I focus, as I said, mostly on old Hollywood films. But, um, you know, I've been a classic film fan since I was three. Um like that sounds ridiculous but uh, what, one of the first classic movies I ever watched was Gone with the Wind my mother still talks about it to this day and says she doesn't know how I sat through that movie but it's one of my favourites so if you go on Twitter you'll see me chatting all about classic films um, you also get a few B grade films on there because I also love B grade films and um, and also um, I talk a lot about John Barrymore and Joan Crawford and Adam Ladd because they are my favourites and I also have a blog which is uh, at on wordpress which is pale writer too and you can go on there and i talk about all sorts of things to do with classic films i also love horror films so every now and then i tweet about that as well you know but mainly also sort of more classic horror films um not really anything past the 1980s and uh yeah and, and you'll just go on there and and i love like chatting with people about movies and books and um you know the classic film community on twitter is really lovely so you should come and join us and we'll chat and also as um i've been going on i've been discovering more classic films from around the world really so i also you know try and tweet about that my favorites so far are from the uk so yay for classic uh, <laughs> uk films which a lot of the time are overlooked i don't know why are so good i mean i just i love brief encounter Any, give me anything with margaret lockwood I adore it. So, yeah, come on Twitter and, and um, we can have a chat about that if you feel so inclined.
0: Yeah, well, well, make sure there's plenty of links to those in the in the show notes. Um, I feel bad. I mean, this, this is probably, I uh, kind of talked about it before, I, I kind of missed most of that and, uh, sort of era and it never really came, came into my world. So um, it's always nice to sort of remove myself occasionally from the 80s and from the sort of very quite narrow sphere of films that I I'm used to. Seeing all this I bet they were talk about the, the glory days of Hollywood and all that, but um yeah, you know, it's not even just Hollywood anymore but golden age. It's a lovely
1: time for films. <laughs> yeah, it is it really is the golden age. I can't I can't even, you know I mean also silent films. I love silent films as well. I mean, if anyone is interested they should really go and look at john barrymore's performance in dr jekyll and mr Hyde*, which was made in 1920 that movie is superb there is a part where a spider crawls on a bed and like consumes him it is like <laughs> great do yourself a favor go and watch it and then listen to the lullaby by the cure and then you will just be like really into it that's what i do so yeah. you can mix up, you can mix it up you can mix the errors up there's nothing to hold you back you know
0: we don't live in boxes
1: no we don't you yes. don't live in thank God because I would be very uncomfortable I have a bad dad, so,
0: you know. <laughs> ah, well thank you very much for coming along again Gabriella and as per usual the song that was number one in the UK when this film came out this came out on the 9th of February 1990 in the UK so yeah oh. slight blurring of the lines but <laughs> it's, it's a 1989 film now the number one over here at the time was Nothing Compares to You
1: I'm um, huh. Schneider that's not bad quite like that song yeah. yeah she was very pretty It's humongous ours oh, my goodness yeah Yeah, that, that's a beautiful song so yay yeah. Yeah. very cool <laughs> play us out <laughs> that's
0: right. the next one will probably be Star Trek so uh, yeah, sorry Ugh. anyway um, Gabriella thank you very much
1: thank you That's so cool. much for having me on i really really appreciate it and i hope that i can come back sometime and talk too much again
0: well we've um i know we've got a couple of others on the on the short list, so uh, yeah definitely be back
1: soon
0: Yeah! This podcast was brought to you by executive producers Gary West, Fergus Higginson, Keith Foster, Jimmy Fletcher and Mark Drakes, associate producer Chris Oakley. You can find out more by visiting patreon.com forward slash Betamax Video Club.